We're talking money again today, again, because last week we invited our friend and financial coach, Sparky Thompson, to join us, and uh, we wanted to carry on that discussion about how to be intentional with the finances, the money, the stuff that comes through our hands. You know, stewardship is a biblical teaching, I believe, and I've said over the years, you show someone how they spend their money their check registry or how their bank account or online accounts. And you can pretty well tell uh, what their values are in life. The Bible says, you know, where our treasures are, there's where our heart is going to be. And there's much said about the importance of money because it it so represents our heart, our values, and what's important in our life. And so today we want to continue this discussion because we love you. We want the best for you. And more than anything, we want you to experience uh, financial freedom. We really do. And to give that freedom so you can really enjoy what God has for you and, and be generous and sharing and caring and doing the things that you know are more important than just uh, paying off debt all the time. All right. You're welcome to join us on our storyline at 888-888-1717, 888-888-1717, as we're talking about the power of money. My name is Sarah, and my question is more of a spiritual one, even though we're talking about finances, but a lot of us know it's a very spiritual thing to manage money. I'm working part-time, and I'm looking for a second job because I went through a divorce earlier this year that was kind of ongoing for the last year, and I'm trying to make ends meet now, and I've started a retirement, and I give faithfully at least 10% every time I get paid, so it's I'm trying to manage my money well, but my question is, how do I, how do I surrender trust to the Lord that my needs will be met when it kind of looks discouraging, when it looks like I'm still overspending every month and I haven't found the second job? How do I continue to do wise things with every dollar I make, like retirement, as I am only 26 and kind of see God provide for me? It's a very broad question, but it's very real because sometimes there's temptations to just save more money, even in the places that are for my future, just so I could have more of it now. So how do I stay encouraged and still make ends meet, I guess is my question. Yeah, I, I hear you, Sarah, and I think um, Parky does as well. I think you probably hear a lot of people who come in are just kind of confused. We want to trust God. We want to do the right thing, but we're broke. We don't know how to get started and we're stuck. And, you know, here we are and they, they throw everything on the table in front of you and say, where do we start? I kind of hear that from Sarah. Uh, how, how should we view this whole thing of getting started to be intentional with our money? Why are we doing this? Well, I think it's very important when it goes back to that biblical stewardship of being able to manage what God has given us. And, you know, the, the one thing that I will tell you in his word, I, I've never seen a child of God begging for food. Uh, he, he always takes care of us in some manner and looking at it. So, so when you see that and you go back and you look, and one of the things that I heard, she's part-time working, part-time looking for a second job. I applaud her for that. 26 years old, she's young and she recognizes this. But one of the things that I picked up there, and uh, I would love to be able to talk to her if she was on here about that, is she's currently contributing to her retirement. And uh, while I want her to contribute to her retirement and I want her to be able to grow a retirement account and so forth, Right now, she needs to be taking care of those needs that are right there in front of her. She mentioned that every month I'm overspending to meet the needs that we have. The truth is I'd probably have a little bit more money if I wasn't contributing to that retirement account. 
I think we need to do that at the appropriate time. And at this point, again, make that conscious decision to temporarily suspend that, come back, bring that income in while I'm working part time, while I'm trying to find another position to be able to take care of the needs that I've got, putting food on the table, a roof over my head, the transportation, utilities that I need, and everything else has just got to wait. So long as she's doing that and managing what she's got, I believe that God's going to honor that. And again, part of that is the giving there that she should be doing, biblically obedient giving that she's doing. I think that's going to be helping all of it. But again, one piece that I heard there was that retirement contribution that while it may put her a little bit behind, that's something that she can do down in the future when things stabilize. But as she starts to make more and become uh, advanced, be careful not to just increase your standard of living without taking care of the future. Yeah. Learning something while you're doing this now to say, hey, I can live on this. And just because I make more money doesn't mean I need to spend more. Last week, you mentioned that the more money people make, you've seen millionaires that are broke. And I have too. See it quite frankly to to, to be that. We've heard statistics that like 80% of America is living paycheck to paycheck. And so many people say, yeah, but if I just had more money, it wouldn't be that way with me. Mm. Well, if you go and look at some other studies, what they show is the more money you make, the higher percentage of that paycheck to paycheck you live, because you think that once it's there, it's always there and you're always going to be able to do what you want. And really, you can't. Federal government. Too much is given, much is expected. Federal government's sort of an example of all this, isn't it? <laughs> a very big example. <laughs> a lot yeah. coming in, plenty coming in, and more going out. It's always a little bit more, more, a lot more than uh, yep. coming in. All right, we're talking money today. Pat is on the line in Michigan. W- what part of Michigan are you listening, listening to us I'm today, I'm in Pat? Bay City. Bay City, we're Tri- fantastic. Tri-City area. Terrific. Appreciate your call. What, uh, what's your question or comment on money today, Well, Pat? my comment on money is, Back in 1980, my husband and I wanted to buy a second home. Interest rates were at 9%, and I was young, didn't know anything about money. All I knew was write a check and pay bills. We took out a loan. We had pay, were going to pay $400 a month for the next 30 or 25 years. I can't remember what it was. And I paid for four months and that paid in $1,600. It was the end of the year. I got my statement, and the statement said 1576 goes on interest, $24, and I think it was 23 cents went on principal. I went to my husband, and I said, well, they made a mistake. <laughs> they can't charge us $1,576 interest. He says, that's right, dear. I'll tell you, we buckled down. It opened my eyes and paid off the house in five years. Every extra penny Mm -hmm. we had went on that house. Yeah, that's Mm -hmm. good. And I I think that if they taught this in school or explained interest rates, um, the young kids don't know about. I mean, I was only probably maybe 30 years old, 40 years old then, you know, I, I had no idea what interest rates were. Well, explain that a little bit. Uh, thank you, Pat, for that reminder. You know, when my wife and I, we would always put a little extra every every month, <clears throat> knowing an extra $100 goes right on the principal instead of to the interest. Right. And then the next month, you have 100 less being interest going against it because you brought the balance down. Um, yeah. Talk a little bit about that for people who maybe haven't thought about the compounding power in both directions of interest. 
Right. And, you know, the, the interesting thing there that Pat said was if, if they taught this in schools, I, I'm not sure they want to teach it in schools. And I may be going out on a limb here, but but when you have people that go in this kind of debt, so forth, and not knowing what's going on, that, that that's being in bondage. Right. And, and quite frankly, I think that's what is they're wanting to happen. Uh, I won't get into more any more than that than what I need to. But Pat and her husband woke up and and. You know, she's. I'm smiling when she said 1980 because I was a. I graduated high school in 1981, and I remember going with my dad to a mortgage, uh, a savings and loan to get a mortgage, and the rates were 13. percent So yeah. they went up a little bit from that nine percent. The good thing is they had a first home. She says this was our second home, so that was secure there in what they were doing, and they woke up and realized what they needed to do to get out of this situation, get out of it the right way, to be able to pay that thing off. But what she realized was. The way a mortgage is set up, and many loans as well, up front, in fact, in a mortgage, in a 30-year mortgage, you're almost exclusively paying interest on that mortgage for the first 9 to 11 years. After that point, it kind of switches, and now you're paying more to the principal as you go on in, in the life of that 30-year mortgage as you move forward. So like you were doing, like they did, adding more to that, all that you can, and making sure your lender understands that these additional payments are principal payments will yeah. help drive that principal down and reduces the amount of interest that you're paying on a monthly basis as a result of that. It's huge. People don't see that. And, and they don't realize <clears throat> how by just one extra payment a year is going to knock off several years of their mortgage right. if they will just do that, working it out, making just an extra payment a year. And quite frankly, if we weren't so tied up in consumer debt and all these other things that we want to do, don't necessarily need to do, we want to do, we could make more payments than that on an annual basis and drive this thing down. It's another thing when you're talking about refinancing. And I know that a lot of people are not thinking about refinancing right now because mortgage interest rates have went up. But as they begin to go down, whenever that may be, and as they were a few years ago, very low, people were refinancing. One of the things that you've got to consider is in that first nine to 11 years, you've paid almost exclusively interest. It really doesn't make a lot of sense on the borrower side to refinance. What it really makes sense is to get a picture of Pat and her husband hanging up and say, that's the way I need to go right. about it and not necessarily to refinance because who's winning at those games are the mortgage companies. You think All that interest you paid, you start right over again. Oh, you and, think and I, you I, are so <laughs> skeptical, Parky. <laughs> Too many true. clients. And you know Too what? many clients. And I think yeah. the Bible and its great wisdom, God reminds us that those who borrow become uh, uh, obligated Service. to and under the yeah. under the watchful eye of the lender. I Trapped. Challenge your listeners to read Proverbs chapter two, twenty-two, verse six. But don't forget to go on to read that next verse of verse number seven. They're right there together. Well, you got to tell us what they are. Well, I will train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart from it. That right. training. That's right. And verse number seven, the rich ruleth over the poor and the borrower is servant to the lender. Wow. And they're right side by side. Juxtapose. Very interesting. All right. Let's get Dolores on in uh, Arizona. Hi, Dolores. How are you doing today? Hi, Dr. Randy. How are you today? Good, good. Go right ahead. I'm doing fine. Me and my husband have been working hard on our finances, and we're trying to be debt-free real soon, um, maybe within the next four years. Good for you. Um, what we have done, though, we have different styles, 
I like to uh, trust God a little bit more to tell us what to do with the money. And he wants to save, 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 and um, uh, bill, 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 and problem, problem, problem. Where I'm a little freer and with um, a lot more confidence that we're going to make it. And I think that yeah. raises, and I think that raises a great question, Parky Dolores, reminding us that he wants to save, 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 and she wants to maybe be freer with the money. Uh, and you got to balance those two because you the right word. Do, do you deal with people who maybe become too obsessed <laughs> with the hoarding of yeah. the money, and that can become an issue yeah. as well. It, it can when when you really look at you know as you think about that hoarding, we're not earning a whole lot of money on that more money what we are hoarding. We're earning more than what we were two or three years ago for sure, but not a lot. And then in comparison, what that money could be doing for us if we weren't hoarding as much or, or, or accumulating as much in that savings, and maybe for the right reasons, we would be able to pay down some of the other stuff that would help us get ahead. She's not necessarily talking about debt, I don't think. I heard her say that. Uh, but at the same time, some of the things that she would like to do, and I clearly hear her about trusting God. And I do believe if God wants you to do the things in your life that you need to be, do- that you need to be doing, he will provide a way to be able to do that, even financially. He will equip you to be able to do that. Uh, and, and so the point is, we've just got to be wise stewards. And I think you've got to find that proper balance in there. And I don't say that you can't, you shouldn't do one way or the other. But as you're building a monthly budget and both of you working together, both of you understanding each other's needs and what our goals are, what our goal together is, both of us can work a plan to where we're able to accomplish both mm-hmm. on a monthly basis and across our, our finances in general. Talking money leading up to this year end. And I know some of you are going to have a resolution to have a new plan for 2024. Uh, Maybe it begins today. This is Intentional Living with your host, Dr. Randy Carlson. Intentional Living is furnished by Parent Talk Incorporated and is made possible by the generous support of our listeners. This program is not a substitute for professional counseling, medical, financial, or legal advice. Intentional Living is not intended to be therapy by radio. We are Intentional Living, and we'll be right back. Sometimes setting goals is a struggle, but without goals, your life can easily get off course. In Dr. Randy's teaching, Intentional Living in Your Personal Life, you'll learn about the five essential areas of life and how setting goals and establishing healthy habits can get you back on track. If you missed your chance to give during our year-end fundraiser, you can give now and have your gift matched and doubled by generous friends of the ministry. And when you give, we'll automatically give you this month's exclusive teaching and other intentional living tools directly to your inbox. So don't miss your chance to have your gift matched. Give right now and you'll also receive the Year of Prayer and Purpose calendar, each month featuring listener stories, a prayer from scripture, and practical ways you can activate your faith. Your monthly support helps you live an intentional life for Christ. Call 888-888-1717 now or visit TheIntentionalLife.com. That's TheIntentionalLife.com. Thank you, Kurt, for that reminder. And you know, that matching gift is a reminder as we talk about um, the ministry and the support for the ministry. And you all have been so faithful in doing that as we're talking about money today. Uh, We see it as an investment. You're paying it forward into the kingdom work to impact other people for Christ. It's an investment into the lives of other people. 
and hopefully into your own life as well. And then secondly, the matching is such a powerful thing when we have friends who come along and say, hey, as an incentive and encouragement, we're willing to give and match your gift. That's a great return for the ministry of the investment you're making into the ministry today. And I thank you in advance for your help as we close out this year. We're running a little bit behind where we need to be at this point in December. And so thank you for being faithful. You can call us during West Coast Business Hours. Talk to our team by dialing 888 and press number 2. Or you can go online to theintentionallife.com. That's theintentionallife.com. Taking questions, talking money today with Parky Thompson. My question is, I've been blessed with a beautiful job. I have cancer, got back to work, making over 100000 a year. You wouldn't know it. I have so many people that are in need, always wanting borrowing and needing things. How can I get past that without feeling so unchristian? I want to say for me, because I'm getting very close to retirement, and I need more for me. And I'm tired of feeling guilty. Well, that's, that's really an interesting question. Thank you, Debbie, for sharing that. It's an interesting question because uh, money can create all sorts of negative emotions in our life, guilt, anger, frustration. Uh, it becomes a powerful sort of representation of things that go on internally in our life. In her case, she's saying, I've been so generous all these years. I look around, hey, if I don't save some for me, uh, I'm going to be on the porch maybe. Um, what would you say if she came in to talk to you? And I would ask her, who's going to take care of her? Yeah. God's given you all this money that you've been using. And you, she said, blessed with a wonderful job, making more than $100,000 a year. Um, that's huge in today's standards. It may not be depending on where your locale is in the country, but that's a lot of money uh, for people to be able to live on. And then you got to go back and you got to look and see where's that at? What am I done with it? And so I'm not saying that any of the giving things that she's doing are wrong because we don't know those. She didn't go into what each one of those were, but I think you've got to stop back and you stop and look and say, but where am I in this picture? What am I doing with mine? How how should I be investing to take care of my future? Because if not, I'm going to be one of them to somebody else in the Mm. future. And that's not going to be good to anybody else. And that doesn't matter whether you're looking at your children, your grandchildren, friends and family, whatever the case may be. So, so, so going back to that budget piece is building a budget based upon necessities and then what's left over, build into your budget a certain percentage of where you're going to be helping somebody. What I'm hearing or somebody's, you can make that plural as well. What I heard from her was I'm getting closer to retirement. So that percentage that might be left after the necessities are taken care of, a bigger percentage of that needs to be money that she's putting away for her own self for her own goods in the future to be able to take care of that. It's not going to do her any good to pay off a bunch of bills and debt and a house and all that good stuff. If she doesn't have money to live on in the future to be able to take care of food, utilities, taxes, those things, because it's going to come back to haunt her. So uh, again, you've got, I think the right word here is to be wise, prayerfully wise on where that giving should be and making sure it's for the appropriate things real quick. Uh, story I had a client many, several years ago who every month in her budget, she had a certain amount of money. I want to say it was a couple of hundred dollars. And this client was barely getting by a couple of hundred dollars that was going to her mom for her prescriptions. Mm. 
And I asked her one time after months, I said, well, what kind of prescriptions does your mom have to take? And she said, well, I don't know. She won't tell me. Well, why won't she tell you? If, if, if you, this is your mother and you're giving money to take care. I said, are you sure that money's going to prescriptions? And she said, yeah, it is. And uh, so anyway, she challenged mom about it and said, mom, if you're not going to tell me what it's for and how I'm helping you, that it's actually going there, I'm not going to give you this $200 a month. And we worked together for another four or five years and nothing ever happened to mom. Mom was like, well, keep your money. <laughs> Interesting. So, so the point is, you, what, what are they doing with that? And, and, and again, and making sure that your investment, giving investments used for the right thing. And Debbie, here's a word picture. When you get on that airplane, one of the first things they tell you is if those oxygen masks fall out of the ceiling, you put it on you first and then your child. In other words, if you're not breathing, taking care of yourself, you can't help others. And so that's a a word picture. All right. Uh, We're talking uh, finances today. I I wanted to get into this housing rent thing today. Uh, Housing prices are up. Interest rates are high. People want to get into a house. Well, what do you tell them? Renting versus housing. Maybe they can squeak in and get a house and pay for it, sort of, and, but it's going to put them in a bind. It's going to be difficult. And they're thinking, if I don't get in now, I'll never get in. Uh, what do you say to a couple like that? Well, I don't agree with the philosophy that, you know, if, if I don't get in now, I will never get in because uh, we don't know what the future holds. It's, it's a possibility, um, but I don't know that that's actually the case. Things change, and sometimes on a whim, they change. Uh, but I look back about uh, 15 years ago now, 18 years ago, it seems hard to believe that. But when everybody had to have a house and uh, the, the financing was so creative with 0% down and 80-20 loans and this and that, what, what they were taking were, were people who were not financially ready to have a mortgage payment and putting them in a house. And then some things happened in the economy and those interest rates started going up. Those uh, those zero uh, percent loans were being able being drawn upon. All these creative financing things started to come, and all of a sudden, you started having foreclosure after foreclosure after foreclosure. We went into a worldwide recession, and a lot of it driven by the housing market in this country. The point is, not everybody today is financially able to be able to buy a house. As I shared with you last week, I'm working with some clients who are paying twenty five hundred to thirty five hundred dollars a month in a house payment. Well, number one, they're in too big of a house than they need. And number two, they're in too high of an interest. So, so when it comes down to renting, this is the thing I hear from people all the time. I don't want to rent because I don't want to be throwing money away. And I totally agree with them. And so if you're a young couple, a single person or a young couple with no kids, you don't need a three-bedroom flat in the fanciest part of town. You don't need that. What you need is safe. Uh, safe conditions for a roof over your head for you to be able to exist. Try to get in as low as you can and work to where you're saving money to be able to have a down payment on a house at some point in the future when it becomes something that you can afford. Clearly with rates to where they're at today, go back to what our first caller was, Pat. And she said 9% back in 1980 and they did it. You, You can do it. It all depends on what your goals are and what you're trying to achieve. And so I, w- I would challenge people to put yourself in a financial situ- a position to where you can have a very solid down payment. I like a 20% down. And people are like, how in the world do I ever get 20% down? I understand that. But at the same time, without that 20% down, you're going to be paying PMI. And that's going to mm-hmm. cost you two, three, $400 a month based upon what your mortgage amount is. And so one way or another, you're giving money away. Put yourself in the financial position to where you can manage that loan and not somebody else. And much like Pat, 
when you find that you're in over your head, work things out so you can take care of this. If it's important to you, take care of it so you can pay it off or get rid of it and go back and do something more financially responsible when it comes to living arrangements. More on finances and being intentional with your money in just a minute. You know, disappointment can just create so many serious problems for a family. And as we've talked so often, it's the disappointment is a result of unmet expectations. But disappointment is a part of life. Kids can get disappointed. They don't get what they want, what they expect, what they desire. And that's true as adults as well. And one of the things that we can do in our family that can be so helpful to manage stress and difficulties in a family relationship is to talk about how do we manage those disappointments in our life when things don't work out exactly like we would like them to be. And when we can manage our disappointments, we can really manage our family in a healthier way. Thank you for being a faithful member and supporting the ministry. And when you hear an excerpt of a teaching, it's because we put together resources for our our family of supporters on a regular basis uh, to have an archive of material and teaching from the ministry. And we thank you for standing with us. Thank you for your support. Again, you can find out more by going to theintentionallife.com. Click on the little donate icon or call during West Coast Business Hours, 888-1717 and press number two. We talked to Dolores a little bit ago in Arizona, and um, she had another comment she mentioned to Stephen off air. The big concern, she sounds like between her, is a spiritual disconnect uh, where, you know, helping, she wants to help those in need and her husband focus more on their current needs and, and them. Uh, and do you see that? We're really getting to this tithing and spiritual disunity and so on. How does a person, approach, I get a lot of questions on this. What do I do? I want to tithe, but my spouse says no. How, how do you handle that? Yeah, well. When it comes down to a Christian, I don't think there's any real argument here. Uh, We're supposed to be giving of our first fruits of what that is. I've worked with so many people who tell me that, you know, when it comes time for me to pay all my bills, I don't have anything left to be able to tithe. And I totally agree with them. And I said, because you're not putting that tithe first of where it needs to be. I mean, and, and looking at that, our biblical giving, our tithing, giving back, should be the first thing that we're working into our budget, into our plan of what we're doing. And then from there, all of our spending. And so there, there's really not a whole lot of room to debate there. Do that first. And then everything else that's important. And those other things is pro- finding that proper balance of what's going what's to work for you and your spouse based upon the income that you have. Hmm. Very good. Well, we're out of time, Parky. Uh, for today. But boy, I think uh, t- today and last week, we've touched on a lot of really important topics. We'll have to have you come back again and continue on with this. Uh, I just hope that you and your family will have a very blessed and happy Christmas and uh, New Year season. To you all too. Thank you for being a part of our Intentional Living family. Uh, As we wrap up the program today, I want to remind you that uh, resources are available for you free online. We have all of our archives of our programs, our podcasts, and articles and other things available to encourage you on this topic of living intentionally. And boy, what a great time of year to be thinking about that for this new upcoming 2024. If you were to think of one thing you could change and work on to improve your life for God's glory and your benefit, what would it be for 2024? We'll be here to help you. Just go to theintentionallife.com. For Jennifer, uh, for Gino and Stephen, thank you. I'm Dr. Randy. Have a great day, and we'll see you again tomorrow from Intentional Living.